The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hope to give you a slew of winners uh, this evening, and I want to welcome everybody. I hope that uh, you are high and dry, because here in the Midwest, uh, we are soaking. Uh, I mean, it, it's just, uh, they're setting records left and right. Uh, we're having landslides in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, it's crazy stuff. People are having to move out of their apartments. If you're on a hill, it's not a good thing. And if you're on a farm taking care of it like I am, boy, it's not good when you got a chicken coop on a slope. Let me tell you, you want some slippery shit? That's exactly what I've been walking on for the last couple of days. But they got to get out of the coop, you know. They're free range. And, hey, I can't complain too much. The eggs are free every morning. So, But I'll tell you what, it's luckily I've still got those cat-like reflexes to uh, catch the fence just before I fall on my butt. So uh, anyhow, dealing with that, but looking out the window before I came down here to the studio, and it is sunshine outside, and it's supposed to be that way today. All right, well, uh, let me give you the guest lineup for tonight. Uh, First out of the gate, he's an annual guest and uh, will be as long as they run an Ohio Derby. Rich Ruda will be here with us. Uh, Great personality, uh, super guy on top of anything and all things uh, at Jack Thistledown. And uh, he is going to be joining us. Of course, uh, the the Derby's been getting better and better fields, therefore, Years back, they lost their accreditation, and now they're at least worked their way up to a grade three. Uh, they had a solid uh, field last year. I believe it was Core Beliefs just getting up in that one by a nose, and uh, he's gone on to be a good one. And uh, so we're going to talk to Rich about this year's Ohio Derby, and always on the other undercard, they try to card uh, two stakes races for Ohio breads, and we've got the uh, William J. Petro Memorial, and we have the George Lewis Memorial. A lot of familiar faces in these races. So, uh, between what I know about the Buckeyes and what Rich knows, got a feeling we got a good shot at actually pulling down a few winners tonight. And then in the uh, second segment of the show, we have a first time starter <coughs> from Oceanport, New Jersey at Monmouth Park. Uh, where we saw so far the upset of the year, we'll get to that, is going to be Brian Skirka. He's the marketing manager, but uh, he also does, uh, you know, uh, in addition to advertising and promotions, he's an avid racing fan, a horse player, and he's worked in a variety of handicapping roles at both Monmouth Park and Gulfstream Park. So it'll be uh, fun uh, talking to Brian about what's going on down there this weekend. Of course, uh, just a, a legendary race. Uh, the United Nations will be contested. Boy, when you see the number of champions that have raced in the United Nations, it's a grade one. Uh, think of these days. I might be, uh, you know, uh, tagging myself for my age, but uh, I knew this horse strictly as a young man after I read about him. Uh, Roundtable, 
uh, won it twice. Manila won it twice. English Channel will see some of his offspring uh, running in the United Nations. Uh, he won it twice. And then other great horses like Dr. Fager, Halo, and Lure have captured this grade one race. It's a mile and three eighths on the turf. Uh, we'll check in with Brian to make sure that the weather's good. Of course, there's four stakes on the car. There's two other graded races. And uh, the seventh race will be the Eatontown for fillies and mares. The five-year-old mare, Val the Victorian, trained by Kelly Breen, uh, is installed as the eight-to-five favorite. And uh, also on the card is the Phil Isselin, a name that's uh, steeped in New Jersey uh, racing history. And this one was too hard for the uh, the handicapper. Uh, he's got uh, two to one and two three to ones. So we'll see who Brian Skirka likes. He's going to help us because he's the hometown guy. And of course, uh, hope you all had a great Father's Day weekend. Uh, if your dad's still alive, be, hope you uh, made contact with him or hopefully got with him. I wish mine was still around. We used to go to the racetrack together up at Saratoga. Uh, old Chubby Engelhart. I don't know why I ever had that nickname because he was never chubby when I was a kid. But anyhow, uh, had a great Father's Day. Uh, my adopted son, Ed Meyer, showed up. And my youngest son, Patrick, showed up out here at the farm. And we had fun uh, playing with the horses and the dogs. And we had a cookout, and puffed on a few cigars. And we had... TVG on, so we were watching the Stephen Foster card and having a lot of fun uh, betting them. Uh, glad I had already put money in my account because it didn't cash too many tickets. Some uh, interesting uh, outcomes on Stephen Foster Day, of course. We will be getting to that. All right, let's get to some national news because we had a lot of it. Uh, how about this? Belmont winner Sir Winston is going to miss his whole summer season. Uh of course, uh, he and Country House uh, go into the sidelines. I guess I'll get to the details on that later. But um, it looks like they're probably going to come back with their long-term goal of starting in the Pegasus World Cup. But that's not till January. Uh, so he's in Ocala. They're going to see how it goes. And uh, what it's uh, called is a uh, minor ankle injury. But uh, Cassie's not going to take any chances. Um, you know, he just called it a minor injury, but again, you're going to set him back in his training. So don't look for him to be meeting some of the heavy heads, uh, in the Traverse stakes later this year. Of course, Cassie's still got the nice horse in the barn, but probably more than nice war of will. The, uh, Preakness winner right now, he's at Keeneland taking it easy with assistant trainer, uh, David Carroll. And he, they went over him head to toe to make sure he was okay after the Belmont. And they said, well, they did find something. It was a skin rash and we can probably take care of that. So, uh, okay. The Belmont winner sideline until we don't know. Now I talked about the upset. We're talking about different Pegasus stakes. The one at Monmouth park Maximum security, first in the Kentucky Derby. I believe he was bet down to 1 to 20. It was only a six-horse field. Uh, he had 192,000 of the 237,000 in the place pool riding on him. But he was joined on the outside. It looked like after he made the lead, he was going to run away from him. Horse by the name of King for a Day 
Luis Saez and Maximum Security. They set up, uh, you know, pretty moderate fractions, nothing that should have kept him. But King for a day never let him go. He pressed him from the outside the whole time. And who was aboard him? Jersey Joe Bravo. That's right. If anybody knows that track, it's Jersey Joe. And uh, it looked like, you know, an upper stretch, Maximum Security began to inch away from King for a day, but he just couldn't keep going. And King for a day would not be denied. He wore him down and he ended up winning by a length. Talk about an upset. And uh, what you do have to know about this race is if you watched it, it was another one where you had to catch your breath. Uh, Maximum Security did stumble coming out of the gate. And, of course, most time when that happens, the horse just naturally tries to get back up on his feet. And especially a horse with his speed will try to, uh, you know, go on and, you know, get position. So was it the stumble? Uh, Was it the rest? Uh, Was it the horse? We'll find out down the road. Um, So we got to remember, we reported last week that they were – little sketchy on some of his how he was feeling but they said his blood test came back and he was 100 percent. so uh, it's the first time ever that maximum security has been beaten on the track by another horse now they are saying um that uh, most likely he'll make his next start in the grade one haskell invitational and uh bravo said after the race this is my yard. What do you expect? I thought I had him pretty much turning for home, that he got away from us a little, and we had to go and get him. And that they did. So uh, we'll see if, if, if King for a day is that one of the new kids on the block. Well, I mentioned it earlier about horses being on the sidelines. How about the Belmont winner and the Kentucky Derby winner, Country House? Uh, they've just decided that uh, – they were dissatisfied by the way he'd been training and acted at Churchill after uh, he shipped to Saratoga Wednesday. Of course, he missed the Preakness and the Belmont. And they just say, eh, not. we're going to give him a little time. We brought him back. He was happy. And uh, so uh, we'll find out where he resurfaces. I certainly hope he does. Or uh, he would, uh, they say he's not being retired and because they intend to race him at four. You have to go back to 1996 to see the most recent Derby winner never to run again, and it was Grindstone. Uh, great New York bred uh, Diversify is being retired at six years old. Uh, he uh, came out of a workout with a suspensory injury, and they said that uh, he uh, just uh, was not going to be able to, uh, uh, you know, come back and they like if he couldn't come back with class we're not we're not going to let him come back so uh diversify retired and how about my man rafael bayerano i was there the day he won his first race and over the weekend he won his four thousandth race that's right a horse by the name of john bobby at river downs was his first north american winner and now he has won four thousand what a gentleman he's really worked on the english language didn't speak hardly a word when i first met him and uh now he's at uh, one of the top of his game and so uh it came on a claiming race portal creek paid five dollars and twenty cents congratulations to rafael okay real quick let's hit the stephen foster card in the big race, it was 
Seeking the Soul, punching a ticket to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Johnny V in the saddle. This horse loves Churchill Downs and got the job done by a neck. It was a great job. In the, in the second spot was Quip, who had a brief lead in the stretch, but had to give it up. Florent Giroux was up, and in the third spot, in the, the Stephen Foster, was Tom's Detat. And that rounds out the big race at Churchill Downs. Okay, real quick on the undercard. The uh, Matt Wynn, four three-year-olds, every horse but two was nominated at the Kentucky Derby. And it was the Pat Day Mile winner, Mr. Money, showing an affinity for Churchill Downs. The son of Golden Sense gets the job done for Brett Calhoun. Gabe Sayez in the saddle. They won by six and a half. Second was Signalman. And third was proverb uh then it was on to the grassy wise dan man i hope you got a chance to watch this race it was a four horse photo when they hit the wire and on top at 10 to 1 by a neck was march to the arch trained by mark cassie his first ever graded stakes winner as a trainer of course the son of uh Norm Cassie, Mark Cassie, who went out on his own uh, in the second spot was all right, 71 to 1, and finishing third, the favorite admission office. And then it was the Fleur de Lis, a short field horse I've always loved and uh, is going to be worth a whole lot when it's retired back to Claiborne Farm. Elate, trained by Bill Mott. Gets the job done under Jose Ortiz, lasting over Blue Prize, the Argentinian bred. And in the third spot was She's a Julie, who was going back and forth for favoritism with Elate. All right, that's a look at national news. That's a look at the races we handicapped last week. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to a place called North Randall, Ohio. And you say, John, what the heck's in North Randall, Ohio? Well, it's Jack Thistledown Racetrack and Rich Ruda. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, that's right. We're back here on Winning Ponies, and uh, we're going to be talking to a, a re- if you ever ever at Thistle Down, hunt this guy down when he's coming back in from the paddock show. He is a super guy. Introduce yourself, and you'll think you've known him for a hundred years. Rich Ruda, how you doing, buddy? John, yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Really excited about the Ohio Derby coming up. Uh, Nice, nice couple Ohio State races before it. It makes for a great Saturday of racing at Thistledown. If I got one thing that's bothering me about the Ohio Derby, you know that twenty cent pick six we had. It had almost a hundred thousand dollars in it yesterday. I was hoping it'd carry over to the Derby card with the three big races. One lucky person pulled it down yesterday. Got close to a hundred thousand dollars for twenty cents. So congratulations to that guy or girl. But, man, you'll put a little damper on the party. We would have liked to have that carryover going into Saturday. Oh, I bet you did. I'm sorry to hear that. Now, now, speaking of damper on the party, before we uh, came out of break, you were giving me a brief weather report for this weekend. So should I handicap for the slop, or are we going to have a fast main oval well, there? We will have, thank, courtesy of John Bano, our track superintendent, we will have a fast track for the Derby. I know Steve Ashmason is going to be happy about that because he really didn't like the way Long Range Toddy ran in, uh, in the Kentucky Derby on that off track. He thought it bothered the horse a lot. And he's coming into town, but they, they're calling for light rain tomorrow, and that's it. And then Friday evening, Saturday, sun, 75 John Bannell will have that track in perfect shape. It's always been one of the best racing surfaces in the country, and thanks to John and his crew, it'll be in great shape on Saturday. So we'll have a nice day for the Derby. Now on the damp, you want to throw a little damper on Ohio Derby? I was sure looking forward to seeing global campaign from the Stanley Huff Barn, the winner to the Peter Pan come. He had a nagging injury. Uh, they thought it was behind him. I talked to Stanley a couple times last week. He... He was chomping at the bit to get there. Yeah, I get an email two nights ago, and he, he's apologizing. He's sorry. And, you know, he's taking care of his horse, and that's what he's supposed to do. That foot injury came back. You know, Jen, we talked about these three-year-olds. Country House, Sir Winston's now on the shelf. Warriors charge from Brad Cox's barn, who was going to be part of the Ohio Derby. Maximum security has his setback. Global campaign has his. Boy, it's been a tough tough three-year-old campaign that the triple crown's been tough in a lot of ways a lot of ways it, it really has now i i can only hope that uh you know that omaha beach comes back that would be fantastic yeah. and uh i think we're going to see one of the best uh jim dandies and for sure the Travers stakes that we've seen in a long time because a lot of horses uh who have kind of you know started to peak post-derby mm-hmm. um, uh, or a, who didn't have an excuse in the Kentucky Derby are saying, I don't care who's showing up, I'm going to the Traverse Stakes. They call it the Midsummer yeah. Derby for a reason, and uh, that's just shaping up to be an outstanding race. You know, I think there, and I think just what you said, I think, you know, I think the Preakness 
maximum security not going to the Preakness helped out the Preakness card. I mean, uh, the race immensely because they said, okay, he's not going. We can beat, you know, everybody else in there has got a shot. Then Laura will look good in there. The Belmont came up pretty good, I thought. But I do think they're laying, the horses that are laying up and getting back to 100%, the Travers is always on everybody's mind. Saratoga is such a glorious place in the summer. That race is prestigious, beyond prestigious. Um, you know, if you're going to win one as a three-year-old, the Kentucky Derby's the, the race to win. Maybe one of the Triple Crown races. But that race is just a, uh, it's a monster at that time of year. And you know what, Jen, they're all going to be ready and healthy. And then from there, they take the next step to the Breeders' Cup, you know, as they get a little older and a little more developed. But, you know, I can't look for the Travers. i got to look for the Saturday. I mean, we've got a couple really nice horses coming in. Owen Dale from Bradley Cox's barn and Long Range Toddy. Um, Bethlehem Road's undefeated, coming from D. Curry's barn at Parks. And then, you know, one of the really cool things that, you know, you read these, you and I do it together. I know we do. We read these past performance lines and things like that. Horse from, from Gulfstream shipping up, Math Wizard, for Joseph Safi as the trainer. Well, if you go back to December and look at this horse's $15,000 maiden claimer race, 16000 Wow, yeah. He run third. Who wins the race? Maximum I... Security. Either one of them horses, one of them got taken out of there. The other one was said he was crossing his fingers, hoped he didn't get taken. So what a what a $16,000 maiden race that was at Gulfstream Park early in the year. My gosh. Yeah, and, it uh, may go down as the best that, ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, right? I mean, come on, that's, that's phenomenal because they... They knew it. I think they knew what they had a little bit with maximum security. Not that they knew he was going to run so well in the Kentucky Derby, but they knew they had a nice house and nice horse, and they were sneaking one by there. Well, they got by, but this one didn't. So whoever whoever claimed this one, you know, who claimed this one, uh, Mister Fazetti and his connections. What about they could have had the other one too? <laughs> could have had two really nice three year olds, but you know, I got to meet. Uh, uh, Sassy Joseph at Thistledown, and uh, he came in, and he's high on the horse, putting blinkers on. Eddie's IS is coming up from Gulfstream Park to ride. A lot of cool things, and then we got the local guy. You know the local guy. When I say Thistledown, you know Mr. Ohio in stakes races, Ron Pellucci. He's sending out a couple of uncoupled horses in there. One's an undefeated Ohio bred, a three-year-old, testing new water for the first time going long and going for gold. Another one of Mr. Pellucci's horses, who had some minor setbacks, they say he's a whole lot better now. So six are going to go to post. Uh, we, I still believe we have a good, good horse race. Well, I'll tell you what. I know uh, you know Ron Pellucci was the, one of the leading uh, owners in North America. Uh, last year he had over 200 mm-hmm. wins rich and you know uh one of his <laughs> leading trainers uh jake radosevich i keep him in my uh in my trainers to watch list and he, yeah jeffrey yeah yeah i, I mean you, if pelucci doesn't win three day three races a day i'm shocked between <laughs> all the places he races now i know he races over his head in a lot of graded races but i know that he always said his dream from growing up as a kid in, in the Cleveland area, was to win the Ohio Derby. So, I mean, that would absolutely be, 
be awesome. But I guess uh, to steer it back to the favorite, you got Florent Giroux coming in. I was there at the Lexington Stakes at Keeneland. That was pretty impressive uh, race, uh, you know, over a dirt strip. Ran third in the Preakness. No embarrassment to get a length and a quarter by War or Will. I, I got to no, think Owen Dale's no. uh, the one with the bullet, the uh, target on his back. Yeah, I, I do believe that Preakness race, too. The inside was real good that day. We watched that in the Preakness. Everybody that ran, even the horse that ever fast, uh, ran second in there. He had that good inside trip. This horse was parked pretty wide, and uh, Florent Giroux did the best he could with this one. When they come with the horse, and, and I know they're committed to certain people, and there's a lot of good racing going on around the country now, but, you know, when I talked to Brad uh, and I talked to... <laughs> Mr. Drew's agent, he was coming. He was excited to be here. Same thing with John Court. Steve Asmussen, I talked to his assistant. John Court was coming. We were happy to get him. Uh, you know, it may, Louis Saez was going to write Global Campaign, and I had set up all his connections, his hotel, his pickup from the airport and everything, and then two days before the derby, our derby, you know, he's got a scratch. And, boy, I was looking at, you know, you get Louis Saez and John Court, in the same room, and that was the Kentucky Derby this year. There was a little incident there, as everybody remembers, and I heard they get along well, they're buddies and things like that, but, boy, I should have, like, picked both of their brains a little bit because, you know, that was that was the start of what I think was the triple crown to match no triple crowns because it was a it, – it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Every – Every couple of weeks, craziness in the Triple Crown, and good for the game, I think. I think it is good for the game sometimes. We didn't have that dominant horse this year, but you know what? The gate's going to overflow, like you said, at the Travers. It's going to overflow. I don't know how many they hold at 12, 14 at uh, Saratoga, but I'd like to be there for that. Well, Rich, uh, I, I'm looking forward to a, a really nice pick three in here. So only got a couple minutes left, but I'm not rushing you at all. And, no, no, uh, no. and so, uh, you know, I'm thinking we go seven, eight, and nine. Okay. Now the seventh mm-hmm. race is, is the George Lewis Memorial. And I heard some uh, people on TVG going, I don't get this Ohio. Why do they have Ohio breads? Why do they have accredited Ohio breads? And let me explain it to our audience right now if they hear a commentator do, yeah. saying that again is that an accredited Ohio bread means this stallion or sire stands in Ohio. Uh, you know, as well as the full uh, being being fold there, and uh, so th- that's the difference right now, right there. And Rich, I I think it was two years ago when I was up there, I saw the same thing happen. I saw uh, Leona's Reward, who is an accredited Ohio bred, decide mm-hmm. to to move over, you know, to the uh, and, and face what we would the call. Boys open accredited breads and, and boys mm-hmm. and uh, Leona's reward is going to go in the Petro, uh, which is the next race we're going to talk about and ate the hard way stuck around for the George Lewis Memorial and got the job done by four and a quarter, uh, over the accredited. And I see ate the hard way who, uh, you know, only won one race last year. I, that was kind of a head scratcher because this horse has been so consistent. Um, for Paul Groves over the last couple of years has only had one out. It was okay. And, uh, so I see he's going back in here 
uh, Noel Vigil's coming in town to ride. Eight the Hard Way uh, will will be coming uh, into the George Lewis. Now, um, I see that Leona's reward is cross-entered. Do you know what race she's going in? Well, you know what, John? I don't know exactly what race she's going in, but 90% of my thinking is she's going to run in George Lewis. I looked at, at both races. Now, if you take the seven Ohio Buds in both races, each race, their career earnings add up to over $2 million, actually 2.3 in the Petro. So there's more money in, that's been won in the, by the horses in the Petro than in uh, George Lewis. But Leona's reward is, counts for $700,000 of each of those races. I think we're <laughs> going to see her against the boys, to be honest with you. I really do. I think, there's, I think she has no distance limitations. I, I don't want to say the field came up easier, but the defending champion, Eight the Hard Way, has won out this year. You know, I don't know if a mile and an eighth, if, if he's going to be, if he's going to be as wound up as he needs to be in this race. The other ones, she's handled, you know, she's, she's had her opportunities to run against the boys and she's beat Mobile Solution and she's beat Funnel Cake and Mobile at last and True Cinder. So we'll, I think that's where she's going to end up, to be honest with you. A uh, couple horses in uh, William Petro, Petro, Maya's Queen Media, the Pelucci Barn, uh, take charge Delilah can run. I mean, that school board prez is a very, very, as you know, very nice horse. Yeah, um, she's working her she's eyes out. Yeah, I think she's, yeah, she sure has. I noticed them workouts, too. I was looking at the Marlington Park workouts. I said, holy smokes. And Doug Matthews knows his stuff. And he's had, this is a stake winner in Ohio. Champion. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons Leona, Tim Ham, and the connections of Leona's award will will stay in the George Lewis. I think that's where they're going to run, to be honest with you. Um, that's my guess. It's not etched in stone. I haven't talked to I tried calling Tim today, but I don't like putting these guys on the fence because they don't, you know, they they know what they're doing. They, You know, you don't want to throw that question out and say, hey, where are you going two days before? So, you know what, but I think she's going to end up there, and it does make for a good pick three. It really does. I mean, it really is a good pick three. We see a couple of Ohio champions in there, Leona's Reward. Drill it, the two-year-old champions in the Petro from last year. Uh, Maya's Queen Needy's always been good. Yeah, it's a great pick three. I like it. School board prez, you know. We can go all over those three races. There's some nice, nice horses in there. Absolutely. It's it's a good reason to be involved in the Ohio program. Well, Rich Ruta, I wish you a sunny day, a fast track, and plenty of trips to the cashier's window on Saturday, buddy. Thank you. And please tell Big Daddy hi for me. He's one of my favorite guys. I know he's I know he's under the weather a little, but that's one guy that's gonna come back and every everybody misses him. That would be none other than the man I admire, admire. <laughs> All right, John. Thank you very, very much. Have a great time up there, Rich. All right, that was Rich Ruda who's going to be at the Ohio Derby this week. And uh, we're going to be coming back with Brian Skirka. Can't wait to learn about his background in horse racing and see who he likes in the stakes, the graded stakes at Monmouth Park. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and we're going down to the Jersey Shore where I was married uh, 36 years ago. I thought it was 35, so I really screwed up on my anniversary. But, uh, any, I didn't know that you counted the first year. You know, I mean, you're not one years old until 12 months goes by. Well, I did the numbers wrong, and I'm like, hey, honey, happy 35th anniversary. She said, that was last year, you idiot. And so, anyhow, I, I was married down on the Jersey Shore. My wife's a Philly girl. It, it, it's it's a great place. Um, and uh, so with me right now is Brian Skirka. Am I saying your name correctly, first of all? You are absolutely saying it correctly, and I give you double credit because most people don't. So well done. Ah, well, you know, we get lucky every now and then at the track <laughs> and with names. So anyhow, Brian, you know, you're, you're basically, you're, you're me 30 years ago, uh, being the PR guy, doing marketing, doing promotions, uh, doing handicapping, handicapping contests, but you didn't just drop out of the sky. Uh, how did Brian Skirka uh, first uh, get exposed to racing and second to kind of start working in the industry? Yeah, it's a fun uh, a fun story I enjoy telling because it, it is why I enjoy my job so much now. So I, I knew nothing about horse racing growing up. I, I wasn't born into it. I don't know anyone, you know, I didn't know anyone back then who you know, was a trainer or anything. I purely got into it because of my uncle. He was a big horse racing fan, uh, and he would bring us all as a family to the Haskell every year. I've, I'm born and raised 15 minutes from Monmouth Park. And probably from the time I was, I want to say, 15 or so, you know, we went to the track once a year on Haskell Day. And we went there, and I literally didn't know anything. And I picked horses because of, you know, names or, or you know, how they looked or funny whatevers. And I gave my dad, you know, my dad made a $2 bet for me. But slowly but surely, I kind of got into it a little more. 
And then when I was 18, um, a horse ran on the undercard of Haskell Day named Hot Stuff and then some. And he was a turf horse. And again, I bet on him because I didn't know anything, but that was a funny name. And he happened to win that day. And I didn't follow horse racing again for another year. And a year later, I happened to be reading the local newspaper when I was having breakfast one morning. And, and the Monmouth Park entries are in the local paper. And I happened to see that Hot Stuff and then some was entered that day. So I said to my dad, hey, let's go to the track. You remember that horse from last year, Hot Stuff and then some is running. So that was the first time, I think I was 19, that was the first time I had ever gone to the track on my own, you know, free will on a non-Haskell day. We went there, um, Hot Stuff and then some won the Elkwood Stakes that day. And from then on, it kind of grew slowly but surely. I, I figured out what a virtual stable was. I put Hot Stuff and then some in my virtual stable. I followed him throughout his career. Thankfully, he was he was fairly good. He was like a grade two, grade three-ish kind of turf horse, um, Mammoth Park horse. So he ran at Mammoth all the time, which was good because I got to see him. But you know, by following him, you know, I would see a horse who would run second to him or see a horse who won the race after him or whatever. And slowly but surely, I went from one horse in my virtual stable to 10 to 20 to 30. And I went to college my freshman year down in at Florida Tech in Melbourne. I met my uncle at Goldstream Park one day. So it slowly but surely kind of grew into, um, you know, Brian has no clue what he's doing to he has a little bit of a clue what he's doing to, you know, fast forward 15 years later and, um, you know, doing this interview with you, talking about who I like in Monmouth Park Stakes races. So it's, it's a, a fun story. I, I interned at Monmouth when I was a, a senior in college at, at Rutgers University. I transferred back home. So my final six college credits was interning at Monmouth Park the year we had the Breeders' Cup in 2007. Really? And I've been there ever since. Yep, I've been there ever since. So it's a, it's a rewarding job in the sense that, you know, my job is to try to get more people to the track, teach, teach them about racing, promote horse racing. And you're always going to get those people who say, you know, it's impossible. You can't teach racing to people. You know, racing is dead, all that garbage. And it's, it's, I just, I look at them and I'm like, that's totally not true because I'm trying to do what to other people, what, what happened to me, where you go to the track for the first time, you literally know nothing. And then it's not going to happen overnight, but you know, 10 years later, now I, I know stuff and that's, that's my job now to bring people in for different events or promotions or the races and try to, you know, get them to come back with a friend or come back five years later and, you know, know more than you knew the day before. Well, that's a great attitude and a great idea because pretty much I made that my mantra. You know, you're too young to remember when I was on air. But uh, when I started the regular guy show, TVG and stuff like that are doing things that I did uh, years before anybody else. I had a telestrator. uh, We showed replays. But one of the best things I did was I had an overhead camera. I had a great crew with Charleston uh, Broadcasting. And so the overhead camera would say, so I'm telling you these things, where am I finding them? And the overhead camera come down and I would, you know, have the PPs in front of me and say, well, the reason I like this horse is, well, it ran at this distance last time. It ran over this kind of surface. Uh, and then you see, it, you know, it, it pressed the pace, it faded. Uh, but then as you move across, you can see this, the horse that ran second came back and won a race. And then you read the trouble line and you realize that the, the jock blew his whip. 
at the eighth pole. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's the old, you know, man's hungry, give him a fish or, you know, take a few minutes and teach him how to fish and he'll eat the rest of his life. And, you know, I think that's the great way to approach it. And my also, you know, you sound like a great ambassador of the sport and we need that. And, you know, what I tell everybody is nobody walks into an OTB parlor and says, wow, this is a great game. You got to get their butt down there, hopefully with a couple of buddies, have some fun um, and kind of experience the whole deal and see that, hey, this this is a fun day. And I think the other advantage of horse racing that we have over, um, you, you know, casino slots, we'll call it what you want, um, is if you go in with 50 bucks, you're there for the whole day. You can go in and, you know, play roulette or play, you know, pick a game and have that 50 bucks be gone in five minutes. You know, it's like savor the experience, enjoy the day and have a blast and a few beers. And all of a sudden it's an easy sport to fall in love with. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the first lessons my, my uncle taught me when he was getting me into racing is, is, you know, a lesson of why horse racing is so great. And, and it's exactly what you said. You know, we would go when I was a little younger and not working at the track and was able to go on more trips. You know, my uncle would say, hey, we're going to the, you know, the Arlington Million this weekend, or let's go out to Del Mar for, for the Pacific Classic. And we would go out there and we'd go, we'd spend the weekend and we'd go out to eat for three nights. And we'd go, you know, we went to a Cubs game the, the, the uh, weekend we went to the Arlington Million. And the great thing about horse racing is if, if you do well that, 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 you know, we, we happen to do well that year in the Arlington Million and, you know, flight, hotel, going out to dinner, Cubs game. We came home with more money than we left with. Wow, because, that's awesome. You know, be, because of horse racing. And, you know, there's not many other things that you can do that. But, you know, if you're if you fly across the country to go see, a, you know, an L.A. Dodger game, you know, you're going to be out a thousand dollars. You know, there's no way for you to you know make back your money or come back with a profit. Um, but in horse racing, you know, you can go on a trip and if you have a successful, um, you know, weekend, you can come back with more money than you left. Now there's also the challenge of if you had a bad weekend, now you're down even more money than the flight, the hotel, but that's what makes it fun for us. Yeah. But sometimes your weekends just a drive away to, uh, you know, a, a track near you. And, uh, you, you really need to hold that mantra because a lot of people say, why racing? I said, well, I said, think about entertainment venues, whether it's Kings Island Amusement Park, uh, a Detroit Lions football game, a Cincinnati Reds baseball game. This is the only sport you can go into and come out with more money than when you went in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I yeah, love and like, it. As you said, too, with, with you know, your bankroll for the day. If you go to any of those places that you mentioned, you know, you're in, you know, a, I'm sure a Cincinnati Reds game between parking and tickets and food and everything, you know, that's a, depending on how many people, you know, that's a hundred dollar, you know, multi, you know, three, four, five hundred dollar, you know, night for you at a racetrack. You can go, you know, at Monmouth Park, admission is five dollars to get in. A program is four dollars, you know, beers are three or four dollars a piece. So if, if you go in with a hundred dollars, you know, that's, that's easily a whole night for you, including, you know, drinks and dinner and, and betting. And as you said, there's still that, that possibility that you're going to show up, you know, get there with a hundred and leave with 300, which is uh, what makes it all the more fun. All right. Well, listen, before we get on to the Monmouth park races, we're going to do the three graded races. I, I just got to ask you, um, what was it like to be there to see maximum security get beaten the Pegasus? Yeah, it was, 
it was interesting, I, I would say. It's, it's a very, he, so we, we had him school in the paddock maybe a month ago, and he got, you know, a, a rousing ovation, and there were people with signs all around the paddock. But he's, he's as you would expect, as you would expect, he's very kind of a bipolar horse. And obviously nothing, you know, he, he's just an animal. You know, he has nothing to do with it. But the, because of the disqualification in the derby, there's, you know, team maximum security who thinks he was unrightfully disqualified and feels bad for him and is, you know, his biggest fan. And then there's the other side who think he was rightfully disqualified. And because because there are people who don't think he should have been disqualified, the people that do think he was disqualified dislike him because of that. And it's very interesting. There's kind of like a back and forth of people that were just crazy rooting for him. And then once King for a Day kind of got took the lead in the stretch, there was a pretty sizable roar from the crowd of people who you can tell were kind of against him. Um, but, it, I mean, it was a great race. Uh, it was exciting, whether you're rooting for or against him. I, I just kind of make the point coming out of that race that I I don't love the people who have the immediate reaction of, okay, he lost by a length in the Pegasus Stakes, which was a pure prep, and they're now, you know, down on the horse saying, you know, oh, he's no good. This shows he should have been DQ'd. To me, it's a, it was a total prep race. It was a means to an end. Their goal is to win the Haskell in a month, a million-dollar race. Would they have loved to win the Pegasus? Of course they would. They, they, everyone wants to win every race, but there's no rule in horse racing that says you have to win every race you run. You don't, you don't, you know, no horse goes undefeated or very few horses go undefeated. To me, it was a total prep, a means to an end, and I would totally expect him to come back in the Haskell, a totally different horse, and, and run more of the race he ran in the Florida Derby and Kentucky Derby. All right. Well, uh, you know, we're talking with Brian Skirka uh, down there at Monmouth Park. Let's get right to it. A race I always hoped was on TV when I was younger, and now, of course, we can get it everywhere. Uh, I, I I love this race uh, because of all the fantastic champions that raced in it uh, over the years. I already highlighted them at the top of the show. Uh, and it's the United Nations. It's a grade one, kind of a different distance, a mile and three-eighths on the turf. First question, how's the weather? Are we going to go on the grass? Is it going to be firm? Uh, it's. I mean, we're certainly on the turf. Uh, it's rained a lot this week, including tonight. Uh, there's a chance for more showers tomorrow. We're actually supposed to have two steeplechase races tomorrow on our Friday card. Those have already been canceled due to the, due to the amount of rain that we've gotten. So it's. It, there's no. there's no way we're going to be off the turf on Saturday. So we'll be on the turf. I'm I'm still not going to say that it's going to be less than firm. Our turf course dries out incredibly quickly. It's amazing how fast that it how to, how fast it dries out. So we're not going to be on the turf at all tomorrow. Uh, it's supposed to be sunny and beautiful on Saturday. So I still think that there's a chance by the time the UN rolls around uh, close to five five thirty Saturday afternoon that it's going to be at least good to firm. But there has been plenty of rain this week. Well, uh, it'll be interesting then. I want our listeners to take that into their handicapping uh, for the United Nations. Uh, I believe right now we're looking at a field of eight if there were no scratches. Uh, focus group was made the, the two-to-one choice, but I see a lot of horses in here that are going to uh, give him a run for his money. You know, he's as you always see in these long turf races, his son of Kitten's Joy. I, I, I look at the... 
at, at the other Calumet horse, uh, Cannel Chat. My God, from the moment this horse was born, it probably never touched dirt. By English Channel out of a Kitten's Joy mare. Are you kidding me? Uh, 14 lifetime starts, all of them on turf. Last time was only beaten three and three-quarter lengths by a nice little horse by the name of Bricks and Mortar in the Manhattan. So, you know, I, as, as though Focus Group has been the morning line, tepid favorite, uh, I, I think there's a lot in the camp of uh, Channel Cat and Zulu Alpha who kind of moves up on a little soft surface uh, to say that there's a chance for an upset, particularly because of Focus Group's running style. It's not a big field, uh, but he tends to take himself back in the early going and will be making a run late. Jose Ortiz in the saddle can probably help get him there, but it, it, it's interesting. There's no standout. Would you agree with me, Brian? I, I would. I think it's a really interesting race. I agree with pretty much everything that you said. Um, focus group, I, I get being the morning line favorite. It's Chad Brown. It's Jose Ortiz. I, I was really disappointed in his race last time. I thought his, his race two back in the Pan American was actually really good, rallying from pretty far back behind a, a dawdling pace. I thought he was going to run a lot better last time in the Man of War. I thought he got a good pace setup to run well. Remember in that race there was that that rabbit from Europe who opened up like a 20-length lead and, and set it up for horses to come from behind. So there was certainly no excuse last time in terms of a slow pace or a race that didn't suit him. I, I thought the race suited him just fine, and he really didn't run well at all, uh, in my opinion. So you, you certainly have to respect Chad Brown. I don't think he'd bring him right back in a grade one. He wasn't doing well. But but a two to one, you know, it's a favorite on the morning line. I'm I'm going to use the horse just because I'm not going to get beat out of the you know the pick five and by not using Chad Brown in the UN. But he's certainly not going to be my top pick. I think Zulu Alpha, who you said, is very interesting. It's I'm going to be interested to see the one thing that I that I think in the UN is I don't see a ton of pace in this race. It doesn't seem like there's that many clear no. front runners, and I want to see if Zulu Alpha might be a little closer to the pace than he has in his last few, going back to Channing Hill. So Channing Hill hasn't ridden this horse since last year. And in those races that Channing Hill was aboard, he was second early, third early, fourth early, second early. And then with new jockeys, Arad Ortiz, Jose Ortiz, Javier Castellano, who he's been much further back in his last four or five races. That'd be interesting to see. I think if you told me that Zulu Alpha was going to be sitting second early in the U.N., I would move him up a little bit. If you tell me that he's going to be sitting, you know, fifth, nine and a half lengths off the lead like he was last time in the Man of War, I, I don't like him as much. But a bigger picture is going to be the pick for me um, from the rail for Mike Maker. He actually won this race in 2017. He finished third in it last year. And I just, I, I could talk forever about Joe Bravo and the job that he does on, on both services at Monmouth Park, but especially the turf. I mean, he, he, I think just by Joe Bravo being on a horse moves that horse up a length on the turf at Monmouth Park, at least a length. He, he knows exactly when to move, where to sit, what horses he needs to follow. You know, he, he's, he's ridden this turf course thousands of times. He knows every inch of it. And, and some of the rides he put on, he's put on so far this year, um, not even to mention he was aboard King, King for a Day who beat Maximum Security. But going back to Memorial Day weekend when he won the Mama Stakes aboard Almanar, making an early move down the backside, timed it just right. He, he just rides this turf course unbelievably, and he's going to be my top pick with bigger picture from the rail. 
All right. They don't call him Jersey Joe for nothing. My producers tell me I got three minutes to get through two races. So let me get your input on the grade three Eatontown, a mile and a 16th on the turf. Got a half a dozen going to post. Yeah, Valley Victorian is going to be my pick. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the rail runner again. He's a jer- She's a Jersey bred. Uh, loves Mammoth Park, three for four lifetime. Ran some really good races. I was really impressed with her this winter down at Gulfstream. In the Swanee River, she beat Rimska, who's a really good Chad Brown horse. The next time after that, she finished second behind Chrisus, who's a really good Chad Brown horse. And then two races back, she beat Proctor's Ledge, who's a really good turf uh, turf runner. Paco Lopez gets aboard for the first time. He's another one who knows every square inch of Monmouth Park. He just got back from suspension last week. Uh, last weekend went three for 15. Paco's a perennial leading rider. Kelly Breen is a really solid New Jersey-based trainer. She's the 8-5 to five morning line favorite. I was a little surprised by that, being that Chad Brown has a horse on the outside in flexibility, even though she didn't run well last time in inflexibility. I still think there's a chance that she might go off the favorite, uh, and I hope so. I'd like to get a little bit of a better price than 8-5 to five on valedictorian, but super consistent. She'll be my top pick in the Eaton Town. All right. I just uh, real quick. I was just wondering. I'm, I'm involved very much in state bred programs. Will this horse get any extra purse uh, for being a New Jersey bred? Should it win Val Victorian? She will. I, I believe there's a forty percent bonus for state breds uh, who who win an open company. Nice on a hundred fifty thousand dollar race. Also a hundred fifty thousand dollar race just prior to the United Nations. Uh, the Phil Isselin. A mile and a sixteenth, but we're going on the dirt this time. Right now, we got a field of seven entered. Brian, tell me who you like. I'm picking the one horse in all three of the graded stakes races. It's Bal Harbor for me. I liked him last time in the Salvatore Mile. He had he had won already at Mammoth Park. He won the Sapling here in 2017. There's a lot of pace in the Salvatore Mile. So I thought he was going to sit just behind the lead and, and get first run on the deeper closers. He absolutely blew the start that day. It was a terrible start. It wasn't a bobble. It wasn't a slight, you know, stumble. He, he cost himself five, six lengths at the start. Still put in a huge move around the far turn to get into contention, but no horse was going to win after that start. So he gets Bravo again, which I already mentioned. Bravo's going to move this horse up half a length or a length just by his knowledge of Mama's Park. And there's plenty of pace in this race as well. Navy Commander running to love you. Diamond King, they're all going to be close. Hopefully, Bell Harbor breaks this time and sits fourth right behind him and gets first run on the deep closers. All right, we've been talking with Brian Skirk, uh, uh, who's at Monmouth Park. Brian, real quick, uh, paint the picture of your season for us. Uh, you've had some great racing. Uh, what, what's yet to come, and when do you close? Uh, so what's yet to come? A, a, a month from today, actually, is the TBG.com Haskell Invitational. That's our biggest race of the year, million-dollar purse. So that's the race, as we said. Maximum security is pointing to that race. They just mentioned the other day that the uh, the Baffert horse, Mucho Gusto, who won the Affirmed, is likely pointing to the Haskell. I think as of now, we have five or six other horses that are likely all you know, horses from the Triple Crown, the big names that you've heard of throughout the year. That's our featured day. We can't wait for that. It's Saturday, July 20th. This year, our season is actually extended because we have legal sports betting now in New Jersey. We're going to run all the way through the end of, of October to kind of capitalize on football season once college and pro football starts in September and October. We're going to have live racing on Saturdays and Sundays in September and Sundays only in October. So for all the people coming to bet sports, they can bet racing as well. And vice versa, all the people who are going to come out to the races can bet on football in the sports book. So a longer season for us. 
Um, our purses are higher this year. We got a, a $10 million subsidy from the state of New Jersey, so our racing product is a lot better this year, and we're doing really well so far. So hopefully we see those numbers continue throughout uh, the end of October. All right, Brian Skirka, thanks so much for joining us tonight. And I'll tell you what, say hello to a good friend of mine when you see him next. He's been doing a great job. We call him the Velvet Foghorn and none other than Jason Beam, who I used to share a press box with. I will absolutely tell him uh, that you you said to said hi when I see him tomorrow. Him and I will be doing the handicapping seminar Friday morning tomorrow. Outstanding. All right. Brian Skirka from Monmouth Park. Rich Ruta, the Buckeyes, having their biggest race of the year with the Ohio Derby. I'm John Englehart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, with all this good racing, big pools, pull down your easy win sheets from winningponies.com. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to the races, bet with your head. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.